Welcome to Talking Sports with Sports Programming, a podcast of the sports programming class at Arkansas State University's Creative Media Production Department. Now, let's talk sports with the sports programming class. Hello, my name is Andrew Jones, and welcome to Oh So Impressive. This week, we're moving to the NBA and bringing you the Chicago Bulls. Now, they are impressive playing great basketball. They have a 6-3 and three record, and they're the first in the NBA Central standings. They rank 10th in field goal percentage, 6th in three-point percentage, 15th in points scored, 28th in rebounds, 1st in free throw percentage, 10th in steals, and 10th in blocks. They are balling. Quite the team. I am impressed, you know. I At the start of the season, I didn't count them as a contender just because, you know, to my eyes, they didn't have as, uh, as high of a ceiling as the rest of the teams did, but they have proven me wrong. They are quite the team, and players like DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, Lonzo Ball, and Alex Caruso are balling for this team. DeMar DeRozan has 26.8 points a night, 3.7 assists, 5.8 rebounds, and averages one steal a game. Levine drops 26 points a night, 4 assists a game, and almost 6 rebounds a game. Lonzo contributes to the team bringing 12 points a night, 5 assists, 1 block a night, and 2 steals a night. And then Caruso comes in and helps with 8 points, 2 steals, 2 rebounds, and 4 assists a night. Now, you know, these, these gentlemen came together and they put the team on their back. They are balling, doing, uh, playing above my expectation. You know, playing above what I'm sure most people can consider them to be able to play. You know, in my eyes, they didn't have as much star potential as other teams in the league. And I just thought that it was a team of role players. But I, have, I stand corrected. I enjoy watching them play. They are very energetic, and they keep the ball moving. And it's fun basketball to watch. You know, you got high flyers like Demar Derozan, Zach Levine, and Caruso. You know, three people that dunk hard. And they play great ball, and it's highly entertaining to watch. I suggest you all go out, you know, take a look. I'm sure you'll find something to like about their game because there's just so much right there to take in and enjoy. You got players like Vucevic, Vucevic, and Derek Jones Jr., who comes in and helps the team. Vucevic leads the teams in rebound with almost 11 rebounds a night. And then Derek Jones Jr. leads the team with almost two blocks a night. You know, they're getting production from other players, like role players. They come in and help them. You got those four gentlemen, Arda Rosen, Zach Levine, Lonzo Ball, and Caruso, who go out there each and every night, bring it their all, you know, get the win day in and day out. And it's just a team that you have to watch, and it's just something I really enjoy watching. Uh, they might not be as exciting as... Well, I scratched it. I ranked them as an as just as exciting as the Warriors, in my opinion. The Warriors have always been a team that, you know, you go out there and watch, you find something to enjoy, and that keeps you involved in the game. And this year's Bulls is no, no different. You know, you got high flyers. Everyone loves a good dunk in the NBA. You know, if you watch a basketball game and somebody dunks, that'll get you out your chair. It'll get you hyped. It'll get you invested in the game. And you got four people on that team that can do that. And in my mind, either Zach Levine or Alex Caruso do it the best. Because Levine, you know, 
NBA dunk contest champion, obviously is the high flyer, you know, incredibly talented when it comes to that. And you got Caruso, who his past years on the Laker, Lakers showed out, you know, he, he proved that he belonged there and that he was just not a role player that was going to come in and, you know, when it was time to sit out, was going to sit out. No, he came in there, proved he was a dog day in, day out, and then is doing the exact same thing on the Bulls. And I have to admire that because that is impressive in my opinion. This whole team is also impressive. <laughs> Quite the team. Um, yeah, like I said, up there with the Warriors. You know, Warriors bring it with the three ball. This team, they, they shoot the three, you know, six and three point percentage. But I think the most inciting part about this team is the high flyers. You know, they come in, do their thing, and they give you a show. It's it's something to enjoy, and I highly recommend you all go and watch. Now, November 8th, they play against the Nets, which should be a great matchup. You know, both teams have exciting play. That's something to watch, and I'm sure it'll be quite the game to enjoy. Uh, get your popcorn, you know, or whatever you enjoy watching games with. Sit down and watch the game. And that's what I plan on doing, because this team is something... Is a team that you would love to watch, and I can guarantee you will find something about their play that you would just fall in love with because they are impressive. The Nets are impressive. So November eighth, check it out. See if you find something you like. All right, my name is Andrew Jones. This has been oh so impressive. Thank you all for tuning in. Hey, it's Valeria, and this is Who, What, and How, Women's Road Throughout Sports. This week, I'm going to talk about women's history in basketball. I think that most of the time we talk about women's sports, you don't instantly think about basketball. You maybe think about gymnastics, about swimming, about dancing. So that's why I just, I want us to learn more about it. Women started playing basketball just one year after its creation. And you might be asking yourself, but when does basketball was created? Who created it? So the creator of basketball was James Naismith, a Canadian sports coach who in December 1891 took a soccer ball and a peach basket. Of course, throughout the years, he refined the game, the rules, and started building popularity of it. So as I stated before, women started playing basketball one year after its creation. Which is amazing because that was so fast and women sometimes tend to do things after men, but like so many years after. The first team was organized in 1892 by Senda Berenson. Some rules and the number of players were different, but still the idea and the concept were the same. But who is Senda Berenson? I hope you're asking that question too, because I am. Well, I was. Senda is known as a mother of women's basketball. When she discovered basketball, she adapted it for women, since at the time, women only played individual sports because team sports were thought too dangerous. She also developed a rule book for women's college basketball. Then, in 1896, the first two games were played. First, we had a match by Stanford versus UC Berkeley, and later, two high schools from the Chicago area. Then, going all over the 40s, we have that during World War II, there was competition and recreation basketball was common. 
relocation centers for Japanese Americans included like regularly scheduled women's basketball game. And as you can see, more and more international basketball competitions were held, such as the first Pan American Games in which the USA won the gold medal. And this was around 1955. In 1973, college sports, college uh, sports started to give out scholarships, and this was they were offered for the first time for female athletes. And this is a fact not only important for this episode, but for every sport. Now, with this opportunity, women had the chance to get the head of the game at another level. Three years later, women's basketball became an Olympic sport. The gold was for the Soviet team and the silver for the USA. After the 1995 failure of Women's Basketball Association, the NBA established the WNBA with eight teams and Cheryl Swoops was the first player signed. Later on, the first Women's National Basketball Association game was played and teams were added throughout the years. So, to finish this segment, I want to talk about another important basketball representative, Lynette Woodard. She was the first woman on the Harlem Globetrotters. The Harlem Globetrotters are worldwide icons, great entertainment and great basketball skills. That's what it characterizes them. She started playing basketball in her, in her childhood. She the, won two consecutive state championships and she made some records. Her records are insane. Wooder played at the University of Kansas, where she broke the NCAA women's record with, with 3,649 points in four years and 26.3 points per game average. The university retired her jersey number when she graduated, and this was like a way to honor her. After graduating and some Olympics played, she became part of the staff of the women's basketball program of the University of Kansas, her alma mater. She was named one of the Sports Illustrated 100's graded women's in 1999, and in 2005, Lynette Wooder was inducted into the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame. And I just talked about two amazing women on the road through road of basketball. Uh, first, Sunda Berenson, and then we had Lynette Woodard. But which other women basketball icons do you know? Definitely basketball history was one of my favorites. I hope you enjoy it. See you next time for more Women's Road Throughout Sports. Hey Longhorn fans, welcome back to another segment of the Bevo with your host Seamus. A little score recap from the previous weeks. Your women's volleyball team swept Iowa State at Iowa. They will have a well-deserved week off before taking on Baylor November 5th and 6th, that Friday and Saturday at Baylor, which will be in Waco. They continue to be number one in the country, sitting at 17-0. Now on to the women's soccer team. The women's soccer team tied West Virginia 0-0 in double overtime last Thursday. They took on Oklahoma State at home October 24th Sunday and won 2-1. So they will extend their record to 9-3-5 and, and they will have their last 
game of the regular season against the University of Kansas in Kansas uh, tomorrow, October 28th. And after that, the Big 12 Championship for women's soccer will be October 31st, Sunday through November 7th. That next Sunday, which the uh, championships will be located at Round Rock, Texas. So make sure to get out there and support your Longhorns. And the, your Texas football team, coming off a of bye week, they will also take on number 20-ranked Baylor this Saturday at 11 a.m. That game will be at Baylor. And we will, so we will travel to Waco Saturday morning. And we are coming in as a minus three and a half underdog, I believe. We are predicted to lose by one score from Vegas. And just a little bit of talk about that. You know, a lot of big games happened this past week. Uh, a lot of crucial crucial teams lost that we needed to lose. Um, Oklahoma State, they were 8-0. They went into the game against Iowa State. And they came out with a win. Iowa State beat Oklahoma State. Uh, just ruined their perfect Cinderella season. And that uh, also kind of kind of shakes up the Big 12 conference a little bit you know it seemed like there for a while it was Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State locked in for the for the uh, Big 12 championship but now all that remains is Oklahoma they are undefeated so they are most likely a lock but that number two spot can be a little can get a little interesting for this year Uh, Iowa State's got one loss in the conference Baylor's got one loss in the conference and your Longhorns have two losses in the conference so a big win against Baylor this week could really help our chances and if Iowa State and Oklahoma State I believe that they each lose one more game and we win we went out I think that we have a really good chance you know none of our games were just you know excessive blood they're all good tough scoring games which we were leading by at least two scores at one time so I mean all we can do is continue to work on ourselves and be better and hopefully to win out and then hopefully that everything just kind of falls into place and the chips fall where they may. You know, we need some teams to lose here and there and we need to keep winning. So looking at this game this week, you know, we're going to get out of Austin. We're going to travel a little bit. So hopefully, hopefully that will help things a little bit along the way. You know, we are coming off uh, two weeks in a row blowing a two score plus lead. So something, something has to change. We can't do what we've been doing the past two weeks. So I don't know what's going on at practice this week, but hopefully, hopefully we got a little energy. Hopefully we got some pissed off players. You know, we need guys that are going to come and come ready to play and play angry, play mad that you've blown a lead twice in a row because now the whole nation is looking at you like a joke. You've blown two leads to two good teams and basically show the world that you can't compete. Well, we need to bounce back. We need to come back. And we need to take a good win this week at Baylor. You know, I believe Casey Thompson is got to stay in the pocket I think O-line needs to step up protect him a little better keep his confidence up because if you watch the game and you can watch Casey Thompson he gets a little out of rhythm whenever uh, he gets hit a few times back there in the backfield he starts to lose his poise he starts to look nervous he starts to make uh, bad throws he starts to get rid of the ball he doesn't let the routes develop like he does so much in the first half I'm telling you guys if we were if you only played one half of football we would be the number one team in the country we would beat everybody because we are outscoring our opponents three to one ratio wise. But in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter, we are getting outscored by like 60 to eight, I believe is what the numbers were. And that just, we, that just cannot happen. But the, like I said, the old line has got to stay, stay good. They got to keep protecting Casey. They got to step up a little bit this week. 
you know, we got another tough, ta- tough task. I know we've had a bunch of hard teams back to back, but hopefully we can build off of these guys. And if we get this big win here, maybe it can give us a little good push for the rest of the season. Um, freshman Xavier Worthy, we need to keep get him going too. We need to get him the ball out in space, let him do his thing. He's really showed up for the Longhorns, really start to take a t- step up being a freshman and all. He sure doesn't play like a freshman, though, that we can all see. Um, big thing, B. John Robinson. What does Coach Sark have in plan for him this week? What are we going to see this Saturday? Are we going to see the same thing we've seen for the past two to three weeks? Is he going to have 200-plus all-purpose yards in the first half and then only half of the carries in the second half where we lose the game? So hopefully we can continue to feed him in the first half and hopefully let that carry over a little bit to the second half. Hopefully give him the ball a little bit more. Let him win us the game. He is an All-American and a Heisman runner for a reason. I don't know why we decide to take him completely out of the playbook once we start to get a big lead because then we lose it. And they can blame the defense all they want for these big miscues. And it is, they are a little bit to blame. But when, the, but when the opposing team's offense is out there for more than half of the time, it is so hard to defend because your defense is out there. They're getting gassed. They're out there a whole lot. Our defense is not bad, guys. We just give, we turn over the ball so fast. We have three and outs. Our drives don't even last a minute. So the, so the opposing team's offense is out there for a really, really long time. And that's hard to defend as a defensive guy. And that makes the defensive coordinator look really bad. When all in all, the offense is kind of setting them up to fail. Because three and outs, fumbles on the kickoff return, miscues, interceptions, that puts the defense right back out there. And that kills momentum. Defenses will get a big drive, big stop, and then they're right back out there. And that kills everything. So hopefully going into Baylor, you know, I'm expecting big things. You know, hopefully we have a little bit of turnaround, a little different uh, script for this week. But I don't see any reason why we can't beat Baylor by plus two scores, same way we did with TCU, Texas Tech, all them guys. I have a feeling this will be a similar ball game. Okay. But um, thank you for tuning in to the Longhorn. Horns up. Let's get a big dub this weekend, and we'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening to Talking Sports with Sports Programming.